Got to do something with it. Well, okay, um, my title of this morning is Entering Through the Right Gate, and we're going to look again at Jesus. Um, I'll tell you some of the story behind this as we go on, uh, if, if, if that's all right. But when the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he said in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 3, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. As we look forward to all God has for us in Jubilee, we do well to have the same resolve. Our focus, our worship, and all of our, att- of our attention needs to stay firmly fixed on Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are those witnesses? Well, they're the, the, the people of God down through the generations. The, the prophets of the Old Testament, the kings of the Old Testament, the people of God, the people who've gone before us, all those who are in Christ. I found myself thinking this morning as I was praying over this, I, I found myself thinking about, about my Auntie Susan, who's now with Jesus, who gave our, was a Methodist deaconess and gave all of her life serving, serving the Lord. My Auntie Anne, who was a missionary in Nigeria and gave all of her life serving the Lord in Nigeria uh, and my parents well they're not dead yet so they're, they're, they're witnesses here but the, the point I'm making is this there are people who've gone before us who are there cheering us on I was thinking of, of Jean's dad who died uh, 12 years ago something like that 15 years ago even and, and um, it was said of him when he was a teenager he was a child evangelist and he, he used to preach everywhere he went and used to lock his friends in the coal bunker till they got saved you know, it's pretty radical, really. And Gene's granddad. And, and what I'm saying is that down through the generations, there are people who've gone on before. And it's like they stand as witnesses looking at us, cheering us on from, from heaven's realm. I don't understand all of that. But it, it's, it's not like they've gone and forgotten. No, no, we're surrounded, the Bible says, by this cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. So it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also... Lay aside every weight and sin which clearly, at which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that, that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured uh, from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. So today I, I, we're mainly going to look at one statement that Jesus made in John 10, and um, it's pivotal to our faith. So we're going to read John 10, 1 to 10. It should be on the screen. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, was, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the, the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. 
That means pay attention. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Halfway through this, uh, prepping this, I, I had to change, which I'll explain in a minute, I changed uh, what I was going to do in my points. But uh, So the first point is a picture, and I'll unpack it in a little while. But I, I don't know if you've ever been to an airport. I guess many of us have, not everyone, but most of us have been to an airport. Gene and I, we'd never been in an airplane until 1995, and then since then we've seen to have been to lots of airports uh, in different places. And, and you know, when you get to an airport, there's, there's loads of gates uh, that are available. Often it's overwhelming. You know, it'll say, 20-minute walk to such and such a gate, and all this sort of thing. Give yourself time. And there's just gates. If you go to Heathrow or Gatwick and the, the big airports. And the question is, which is the right gate that will enable us to catch the right flight to get us to the right place? Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, I've been in a plane where somebody gets on and somebody goes, oh, I'm not supposed to be on this flight. I mean, it should never happen, but it does. Went to the wrong gate. And so you check in at the check-in desk and you leave your baggage with them. And they tell you the gate number and what time you have to be there. And then everyone sits around looking at giant TV screens that will eventually tell you when your gate opens. Anybody done that? Yeah. So boring, isn't it? Oh, it's tedious. Well, we live in a world where there's seemingly lots of gates. Lots of views on how to have a better life. Lots of views about God, whether he exists or not. We have people looking for reason and meaning in all sorts of ways. We can liken it to people looking for the gate that they think will lead them into fulfillment and satisfaction. Perhaps they're looking for the happiness gate. For others, it's the, it's the money and the wealth gate. For others, perhaps, the power gate or the fame gate or the education gate. And these are all things that people are pursuing thinking that is the answer. Then we have other gates that people would put before us, perhaps the spirituality gate. It's a popular word, isn't it? Spirituality. The religious gate. The self-help gate. And you could go on and on and on. Now, I got to this point in my preparation. And uh, this, uh, this, this has probably only ever happened to me once before, but I, I, I was there and I started to have what I can only describe as as a moving picture in my head. It wasn't physical, I wasn't seeing it, but I could see it in my head. Does anybody can describe it? Um, and and I, I started just writing down this picture, which I'm going to share with you. Uh, and I got halfway through, and I'm, I'm going at it like 100 miles an hour and trying to think, how on earth am I going to do this? And, and as I, I did it, suddenly the, the back of my chair snapped what one... One part, and there was an almighty crack, and I nearly flipped right over onto the floor. I'm not saying it was God, it was my weight, probably. But, and Gene comes running up the stairs saying, what on earth happened? And it was like, I, I was, I was so engrossed, it was like, I haven't got time to worry about a broken chair. I'm gonna buy a new one now. It's totally broken. Um, so I had to do the rest of my sermon sitting perched forward rather than backwards, uh, and, and all of that. But I, I want to, 
That, that was this odd experience, and I'm just going to tell you what I saw, if that's okay. I, I, it, hopefully this will not be the norm for my preaching, because, you know, I'm going to, next Sunday I'm preaching, uh, and so I'm going to do, uh, I'm, we're going to look at the cross, actually, because we're heading up towards Easter, so I thought we'll perhaps look at Palm Sunday and look at the cross next week, but, but this week I want to tell you this story. So I have this moving uh, the picture in my mind's eye and, and at what looked like um, check-in desks at an airport. At each desk there were flashing lights and noisy publicity, each gate trying to outdo the others. Come here, come here. There's people dancing and doing presentations and trying to attract people to this check-in desk. And the check-in desks were just going on and on. It was like it, I couldn't see the end of the row. It was very vivid. That's very strange for me, this, I assure you. And uh, it, it, just multiple, you know, and, and in each, each desk, it wasn't just one desk, it was multiple check-in desks for one gate. It was, just went on and on. Gates seemed never-ending. And in my picture, people were piling in. The crowds were just growing and growing, and the noise was incredible. And the odd thing was, there didn't seem to be a baggage limit. You know, everybody's normally worried about their baggage limit, but there's no baggage limit. People were bringing toys and cars, all sorts of things going through this gate. It was bizarre. Anything you want, bring it along, and people are pouring in, in their millions. I know, I was a bit overwhelming. I was like, okay. And all the time, I'm seeing all these gates and all the performance and the, the, the dazzling lights and the presentations and the, the things saying, come this way. All the time, over here, it was strange, it was on my right-hand side, over, over here in the corner, there was another gate. And um, after a while, I, I started looking across. And uh, at that gate, there was, there was only one desk and only room for one person at a time. And there was no flashing lights at all. It was kind of in the shade compared to all the, the big glitzy lights, but it was there. And there was just one sign, and on the sign was the picture of a cross. And the cross wasn't a pretty picture of a cross. If I could have found one that looked like it, I'd have put it on the screen, but I, I looked for cross pictures, and they're all pretty. They're all smooth and well-crafted. Well, this wasn't like that. This, this was very rough. And it had splinters and rough edges all over it. And the cross was empty, but it was covered in dark red stains that looked like dried blood. It wasn't pretty. And on, on the picture be, beside the cross were written the words, Forgiveness, salvation, hope, and freedom. And along the bottom were two words that simply said, Everyone welcome. Interestingly, there didn't seem many people out in the crowd trying to attract people in. There was one or two, but in comparison to the crowds, very few. There was a small, steady dream of people coming to this gate on my right, coming to this check-in desk. Most of the folk coming seemed quite poor. They, they didn't have much luggage, if any. There were one or two in the, in, in the queue that 
that, that seemed to have luggage. They were, they were coming along. They, they looked wealthy, rich, and influential. But it seemed to me, what I saw, that many of these folk turned away once they reached the check-in desk. And so I found myself thinking, how, I want to know what's going on. So I, I, I said, this is a weird experience. I won't call it a vision, because, but it, it's, I, I can vividly see it. It's not just a, a pipe dream. It's a vivid thing. And I, I, I wanted to go a bit closer and have a look. And I kind of, I moved in closer to have a look what was going on. And, and sitting at the desk was, was just one man. There weren't a lot of staff helping. There was just one man on his own. And this man had many scars in his head. And as he was dealing with people, I, I, it became obvious that both of his hands had been damaged at some point. Nasty deep scars were evident on both hands. But when you looked into his eyes, there was such love and such tenderness and such compassion. And yet, much of the time, he was weeping. That stood out to me. Much of the time, he was weeping and weeping and weeping. And then I began to see why some people were turning away. Because at this check-in desk, there was no luggage allowed. Not even hand luggage. No luggage. Ladies, you couldn't even take your hand back. It's got to be serious. To go through this check-in desk and into this gate, you had to leave everything behind. You couldn't bring your wealth, your position your achievements or your toys, you had to lay them all down. You see, Jesus is the only gate into the kingdom of God. He's the only way to be right with God. We live in a day where people say, well, there are many routes to God. No, there's not. There is only one revelation of God, and that is Jesus, his son. There isn't another one. People say, well, I have an experience of God. I had a, I had a, a spiritual experience. You can have spiritual experiences all day. The only revelation of God that you will ever have is Jesus Christ. That may come in a dream. That may come as a, a flash of revelation But that is the only way any of us will ever know God, through Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate. And narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus became the gate by dying on the cross. He paid the price for our sin. He died in our place. And he did that, why? Because he loves us. He loves us. All of us. He loves all of your families and all your work colleagues. He loves everyone on the planet. 
Jesus has died. He has become the gate for the whole world out of love and compassion. Wow. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus his son. God didn't say, I'll do you a favor. I'll make a way if you really want to come. He says, I love you with a passion that will cost me Jesus, my son. And he will become the gate through which all of humanity may enter into the presence of God and may have an eternal relationship with God. And he is the only gate. That ground is being fought for today. Jesus is the only gate. Don't listen to the lies that tell you there are other ways. Don't listen to the lies that say that person was quite a good person. Or they're, they're, well, you know, God knows their heart. God does know their heart. But apart from Jesus, there is no route to God. Apart from Jesus, there's no revelation of God. Yes, the heavens declare his glory. But the only way you'll ever know God is to come to Christ. He says to us today and every day, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Come and know your sin forgiven. Come and find hope, freedom and meaning for all eternity. Come into the kingdom of God. That's what he says to us today. Isn't that good news? Isn't that a great invitation? I think it's a wonderful invitation. I wonder who got those words to say to a lost and dying world. Us, maybe? At that point, I thought my picture was finished and then it kicks off again. So this was quite a weird experience. It starts to... It's just there and in my moving picture it was as though... I was allowed to see through to the other side of all these gates. I was allowed to see where they led to. And interestingly, first I I found myself going through the narrow gate. and and, And I go through this narrow gate. I went through the check in and I walk through and I walk into this amazing thing. It was as though I stepped into a perfect world of vibrant colors. It was like I was looking into a realm where hundreds and thousands, even millions of people were there all enjoying life and enjoying God. It was like we were all in his presence all of the time. There seemed to be worship and praise going on, but also work and creativity and fulfillment. It was amazing and so vibrant. To be honest, I can't really describe it because it was more of a feeling than a picture. Now, importantly, I don't think... I felt God say this to me. I don't think this was a picture of eternity. But it was more a picture of human hearts filled with the Spirit of God. Hearts where God actually lives and dwells. What struck me were the most indescribable colors and the amazing music. It's more of a feeling, as I say. All I know is that, that it was a place of peace and joy, contentment, fulfillment. 
It had nothing to do with possessions and everything to do with being in a right relationship with the living God. It was, it was, this is it. This is the kingdom of God. This is, this is where he dwells. And you know what? I'm there too. And I have sweet relationship with him. And all of these people in their millions were enjoying that. They were fulfilled. It was like, this is what we were made for. And it was so vibrant. The colors were overwhelming. The music, everything about it. I don't consider myself particularly big on pictures and you know, all of that stuff. But this was overwhelming. I didn't even see a steam train. It was all to do with colors. Then from there, I, I came out and I was able to go and see what was happening through the other gates. And to be honest, this actually frightened me. It frightened me because while every check-in desk... It, it, it led to a different gate, offering amazing things. Once you got through the gate, it seemed that all those gates led to the same place. And I don't think I was looking into hell. I felt I was looking into existence where there was no color. Everything just seemed like various shades of gray. And the music was jarring and unpleasant and angry. Didn't sit in my spirit. I could hear screams and wailing. And people were wandering around with staring eyes and blank faces. It was it was horrible. The way I can describe it, it was horrible. And it, it was more like a feeling and, and it was like I could I could feel the despair of a lost and dying world. I could feel the despair of a lost and dying world, our next door neighbours. Unsaved family. People walking by in the streets. I could feel the despair. And it just went on and on and on and on. It was relentless. It was, it was, I could see desperate people not knowing what to do. And, and I, I, I was really, really troubled in my spirit. And I, all the time I'm thinking, I'm trying to prepare my sermon. I'm trying to get this preach. And all I could do was, I've got to put this down. Because what I'm doing now is called obedience. I couldn't put this to one side and say, I'll just prepare my sermon. This, this is what I've learned over the years. You go with obedience and stick it out there. I didn't know what to do. I was just seeing it. And I, I, at times it was as though I could see the bodies of people who died in this place. And people dying in their broken condition and heading for a lost eternity. And people are distraught because people had died and it just went on and and on in this place were millions and millions of people looking lost and uncertain and oh they were so scared they were so scared many were trying to find escape in drugs and alcohol but that only made things worse and worse I'm sure you've heard the phrase, everything that glitters is not gold. The front, oh, the colors at the front were amazing. They were saying, come this way, this is what life's for. And the other side was gray and desperate and full of fear. I'm there and I'm thinking, oh God, this is, this is, things about this point my chair breaks and frightened me to death to be honest and, I, and I'm, I'm sort of all shook up do, 
you know, Paul had a Paul had an accident doing his sermon. You know, it's just it's not what you do, is it really? <laughs> but interestingly, as I looked at this place again, my attention was attracted to a picture. And it was the picture of that same cross I'd seen at the gate. The cross had dark, red, dried blood on it. And again, I saw the words, forgiveness, salvation, hope and freedom. And there again, along the bottom of the picture, were the words, everyone welcome. But this time, rather than being hidden away, the, 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 the check-in desk, there was loads of them. There was more and more and more of them. Each one of these desks was, at each one of these desks, there's one of these pictures with the cross. This time there wasn't just one man behind the desk. Now there were teams of people, all multicolored, full of joy, staffing every desk, welcoming people, inviting people to come into the kingdom of God. Then I saw people coming out from the place of color and joy and peace. And they were going out into this vast gray crowd and telling people about a savior called Jesus. And now people started to listen. And the people were coming from from this beautiful place, many of them coming, coming, streaming into the crowds, more and more of them. It was like a vast army of colorful people getting involved, getting involved with broken people around them. Feeding the hungry, befriending the lonely. Everywhere they they went, they brought with them the color and the vibrancy of the kingdom of God. They offered forgiveness, salvation, hope and freedom. And all the time they were pointing people to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's the gate. It's all about Jesus. We have no other argument. We have no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. We keep pointing people to Jesus. That's what we're here for, isn't it? There were many, many check-in desks. More and more of them seemed to be being set up. As more and more of the people of God heard the call to go out into our lost and dying world. But at each desk, they all led to the same gate and his name was always Jesus. We here at Jubilee are agents of the kingdom of God. Jesus says to every one of us, Being a Christian five minutes or 50 years, it doesn't matter. He says to every one of us, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth is being given to me. Therefore, you go. You go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you feel the heart cry of God for a lost and dying world? You see, we can sit in our world of color and say it's wonderful and it's glorious. And all the time, the gate, the king, he's weeping and weeping and weeping. And he's not weeping for us. He's weeping for the crowds who are headed for a lost eternity. And he says, now you are my agents. I have a commission for you. I have a commission for you. 
I don't want you to leave this place. I want you to take this place there. I want to take the color into the gray. I want you to take good news to where there's only bad news. I want you to come and proclaim me. Do you feel the call of it? Do you feel, do you feel the stir of it? Millions heading to a lost eternity and we have the words of eternal life. Do you feel the responsibility of it? I do. I do. I, I can't just indulge myself in saying, well, I'm okay. I'm saved. See, some people say, well, it's all right. You know, if God wants to save him, he'll sort it. Yeah, he'll sort it. Guess who will send? You and I. And to do it, we have to get our hands dirty. And to do it, we have to get involved with people. We have to love people. We need to know about the compassion of Christ. We haven't time to play church. We haven't time to, to say, oh, isn't it lovely? Yeah, I want a glorious church. I want to sit. We so badly need our own building. I, all of that. But why? Just so we can have... 500 on a Sunday, or two services and have a 1,000 on a Sunday. That's a tiny, tiny drip of a huge need. We have millions of people. We have hundreds of thousands of people all across Teesside who need to know Jesus. Don't they? Who are the people who can tell them? Us and other churches. I see the other, all these gates, the multicolored gates set up in this gray environment. I see it's church after church after church after church. Hearing the call of God, working together, sharing, sharing the commission of going into all the world and reaching people for Jesus. It's a challenge, isn't it? I, I wasn't, I had no intention of doing this. It was like, oh God, week of prayer. Hmm. You know, we said last week, do you remember, God, we want more of you. Do you, do you remember? And I, I remember I said, and God says, if you want more of me, I think I need more of you then. And I've been saying, God, I, I, I've been in this Christian journey since I was seven. And, and the danger is we get up and we plateau and we think, well, that's it now. I've got it sussed. And God says, no, there's always more. Are you going to keep going on? Are you going to keep going up? Are you going to settle and say, well, that's it then? There is more for every one of us. There is more experience of God. There's more revelation of God. There is more commissioning from, of God for every one of us. And let's not live in our little bubble. But let's hear the call of God to us. <coughs> in Matthew 13, 44. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field. This, what Jesus is the gate, it costs everything. And it's worth everything. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great price, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Why do you think people gave their lives for this? Why do you think people went all over the world and some were put to death 
Why do you think the Apostle Paul did this and was eventually martyred and people were martyred? Why did they do it? Because they found the pearl of greatest price. His name is Jesus. And there's a huge commission and there's a huge challenge to all of us and say, are we playing church then? Are we sitting in our colourful environment going, well, I wish it was that song and not this song. I wish it was that way and not this way. Is the music too loud or too quiet? Is it, you know, all of those questions. And yeah, we all have those thoughts. But you know what? In the realms of eternity, every one of those things is irrelevant. It doesn't make one iota of difference to a lost and dying world if we have loud music or quiet music. It doesn't make one iota of difference to a lost and dying world, whether we, we sing songs with Gregorian chant or with the latest modern music. It doesn't make any difference at all. I'm not saying those things have no place because we need to worship and be free to worship, but I tell you what, the worship that's going on around the world today wouldn't suit everyone's taste. Some would think, what's that noise? And God says, that's worship. It's not about that, you see. It's about the king. It's about looking at him and being totally captivated by this wonderful savior. This wonderful savior says, come on, there's a kingdom. And it's multicolored and it's vibrant and it's dynamic and it's where I dwell and I will come and dwell in your hearts and I will give you fulfillment and meaning beyond your wildest dreams and this is your dwelling place and you're my dwelling place now and forever. But it's not so you can sit in a holy huddle in your little place doing your little things. It's so you can get out into the gray. It's so you can get out into the, in, into the, the grot of life and bring color there. Bring hope there. Pointing people to Jesus. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. It was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it on the shore. And they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. I... Forgive me if this is meandering, but it's just how God led me, literally, as I was preparing. But when I read that about the kingdom of God is like a net, I was thinking about a prophetic word that Julian brought about the net across Teesside. And you know what? I, I, I see I see fellowships scattered here and there across the northeast of England particularly. And you know what? The net's a big net because there's lots of gaps in it. There's a few churches, some, some different communities working together in partnership. But you know what? I see the net changing and bit by bit more and more communities and more and more communities and the net gets smaller and smaller and so more and more fish get caught. Does that make sense? That's, that's what I saw as I, as I did this. It's like I could see God says, I have a plan and it's a better plan than you'll ever have. Because this is a plan of heaven. This net for Teesside is God's plan. This is God's plan. It's, it's, and it's not just for Teesside. This is a plan that will work across, across Turkey. It's a plan to work across Tanzania. You see, what we've done in church life is we've been so keen on the autonomy of the local church. We've said, well, each church runs itself and has its own government. And you know what? All of that's right. But all we've done is disperse resource. We've made everyone a poor, struggling little thing trying to keep itself going. 
when all the time we are the people of God. And nobody's wanting to control that fellowship or anything else. But we stand together, shoulder to shoulder. We trust one another. We don't worry. We'll say, by all means, have your own leadership. But let's work together. Let's work together where we can. Let's have same heart. Let, let's find... I, I, interestingly, I, I had a phone call from um, one of the elders at, at Oakwood, the Oakwood this week. And um, he'd forgotten, but he did know me in Milton Keynes many years ago. So I'm going to see him at the back end of of April. And I I just said to him, you know, something says to me, we just need to be working more in partnership. We're we're, we're so alike as churches. And and it's not just about, oh, that's the special partnership. No, it's church after church after church after church, working together out of relationship and love and honoring, not out of control and structure. But there is a net the kingdom of God is like a net. It's a fellowship, a community of God's people, churches all over the breadth of the land, going together saying, let's cast the net. Let's, let's work together. And there'll be times when we say, you know what? Uh, this net's so full. Can you come and help us? That's there in scripture, isn't it? Isn't that a much more sensible picture of church than lots of independent little things paddling their own canoes? That doesn't it's like God's revealed something. That's what I feel. And I'm going to preach it. <laughs> we, were pre- we were praying on Thursday. Elders plus guys. And, and Paul, Paul Catterall said, Paul, you've got to preach the net. And I thought, yeah, I have. I've got to preach this. I've got to, I've got to go to other churches and preach this. I've got to catch other leaders up in this. Because I know this is right. And you know what? If this group of people do things different from us, I don't care long as they proclaim Jesus. I don't care long as he's the center and he's their reason. doesn't matter. I want people to get saved. I want people to be rescued from a lost eternity, don't you? <laughs> I'm just reminded of my Salvation Army chorus. You've heard it before, but unless... I am moved with compassion. How dwelleth thy spirit in me? In word and in deed, burning love is my need. And I know I can find it in thee. Feeding the 5,000, what motivated that? The compassion of Jesus. What, what will transform Tisat? The latest plan, the latest structure... The compassion of Jesus and the compassion of his people. As the church of Jesus Christ, we have a gospel to declare and a kingdom to demonstrate whatever the cost. And I feel to say this, and I I just feel to say the time is short and the need most urgent. We all need to grow and mature in God. And you know, many of you will say, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not mature yet. Well, I need to tell you the most effective way we can mature in God is to focus on making Jesus known to other people. It's the best discipleship tool I know. The Apostle Paul understood that in his letter to Philemon. And he says in verse 6, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. If you want to know what you've got, start giving it away. 
If you want to really start buzzing with the gospel, start telling other people about Jesus. If you've never told a person about Jesus, if you've never said to somebody, you know what, I just love Jesus. I know I sound an idiot when I tell you that, but I need to tell you he loves you. Tell you what, once you get those words out of your mouth, something happens in your spirit. You break free in your spirit. You start to feel, wow, you know what, I do have something to say. But not only that, we start to say, you know what, I know. I know this gospel in a way I didn't know it before. Our number one calling as the people of God is to make Jesus known. And none of us are excluded from that task. Let's commit ourselves again to his purposes for us as Jubilee here in Teesside. Just, I'm done really. I'd just like us to stand in the presence of God if we could. The band will come back, please.